Welcome to episode 22 of Dirt Stories. Believe it or not, but the winter season is on its way. The snow always sneaks up on us, and that's why the industry starts preparing early. Today, we are chatting with Brent Giles about the winter season, snow removal equipment, and how to prepare your business for winter 2020-2021. It's never too early to start thinking about snow. Let's dive in. Hey Brent, thanks so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you on today's episode. So this is episode 22 and I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, I know when we first reached out to you about talking about snow, it seemed so early, but as we know, it's never too early to talk about snow in the industry. So just to get us kickstarted, you were on Dirt Stories about 10 or 11 episodes ago and we talked about landscaping trends. So we're excited to have you back now to talk about snow. So for any of our guests who didn't have the chance yet to listen to episode 11 of Dirt Stories, why don't you just give a quick overview of to who you are and uh, what you do at Dozer and maybe a little bit about your background in snow specifically. Absolutely. Um, thanks, Jen, for having me back again. Um, I spent numerous years, close to 20 years um, prior to Dozer in the landscape and snow um, business, whether it was owning my own businesses or, or working at a corporate level for some of the, the biggest uh, landscape and uh, snow management companies in North America, really. Um, and today, I'm currently the director of customer success at, uh, at Dozer. I think everybody who's listening to this podcast probably knows who Dozer is. Um, basically, what we do is um, customer success is kind of a broad term for us here. Um, it's very operational. We we tend to, um, you know, if we have fires to put out and customers that are unhappy, and it does happen in a service-related business, uh, we deal with those things. We deal with both, both positive and negative customer um, experiences, feedback, that type of thing. But essentially what we're doing is once our, our uh, rental coordinators and managers, salespeople, uh, sign those documents with our with our client for those rentals agreements. They basically get handed off to to our customer success team, who kind of runs it from from cradle to grave at that point. Mm-hmm. Whether it be through transportation, logistics, floating heavy equipment in and out of job sites, dealing with the um, the questions around the rental agreements and and what takes place there, and then of course dealing with any on site issues or you know both positive and negative that happen um, during the rental period, and then of course when the when the end day happens, we're either getting involved with extensions um, or we're coordinating, uh, again, logistics to bring that back to our to our lenders. So that's kind of a quick overview. It's that's awesome. More detailed than that. but <laughs> No, no, no I, think, I think that gives a good <laughs> overview. You talk a lot more about it um, in the other episodes. So if those who are listening are interested in hearing more about Brent and what he does at Dozer and his dirt story, you can find that over in episode 11. Uh, But yes, today we are talking about snow. So I'm sure a lot of people may think that it's very early to talk about snow. And so why don't you um, tell me a little bit about why these conversations happen earlier in landscaping and construction uh, around snow and the winter season than maybe people think that they do. 
So there's a common misconception in the snow industry. I think it's, I mean, if you're in it and you, you plow snow and you, you know, you're, you're involved in that, in that activity, um, at a, at a business level, the, you know, you're, you're very aware of, of what I'm about to tell you. But for those of you that are listening that don't understand exactly what takes place, um, our seasons are kind of flip-flopped in the landscape and snow industry. We're constantly about six months either direction. Um, most landscape companies currently right now, if you think about it, would be doing their, um, you know, COVID-19 aside, would be doing their normal landscape construction work, maintenance, whatever it is, um, during the course of the summer. Well, that, that work was booked last, probably last winter. So most of our salespeople, our operations managers, they're really focused throughout the summer on, on um, gathering tenders, RFPs, RFQs, those types of things that are for the winter season. So we're actually flip-flopped. Most of those um, industry, industry professionals that are in the snow world are currently and have been for the last few months working on snow contracts. So it's actually backwards. And again, in the wintertime, you know, when the snow is flying and all of our, our snow teams are out uh, – you know, fighting the storms, our salespeople are then focused on on the opposite, which is the, the summer side. Mm-hmm. So really, the big one you have to remember is, lar- and again, I'm, I, you know, throughout the next half an hour, 45 minutes, I'm going to talk specifically on most of my experiences, mm-hmm. um, which may be different from, from others. But um, what I find is that normally the commercial clients that I always dealt with, those tenders, those contracts are always out in late summer. So right now is ideally when we're going to see those large snow contracts, tenders, RFPs, RFQs um, come up. Right. And we have, to, we have to have everything in place. We need to know where our equipment's coming from, whether it's rented or purchased. Material, salt, sand, those types of things all have to be in place for us to uh, be able to quote accurately on those those jobs sure. and that's happening that's happening right now and has been since about july yeah. is it the same that happens for the construction industry like if i'm running a construction site and i know it's almost october and winter's coming am i already now starting to look at planning those things as well or is that handled by like a third party that would handle um, like snow in general for the construction site? It really depends. I mean, it depends on the construction site too, really, right? I mean, I, my background is in is in obviously landscape construction and snow removal and heavy equipment. But um, so I don't, mm-hmm. I can't really comment on, on how the construction sites would operate. But if, if those construction sites are going to continue to um, work, dig, excavate, whatever it is over the course of the winter, then obviously they need to have access to those sites. So they need to be planning you know, where roads are going to go or temporary snow pile locations, things like that, so that they can right. continue to work through the freeze up in the winter. Um, so that's on the construction side. On the landscape, you know, if you're a landscape company that is, you're a landscape maintenance or construction company that is plowing snow as well, like I said before, you're you're focused on prep right now. You're looking for equipment or mm-hmm. in the process of mounting plows and your salters and, and securing uh, the proper inventory for uh, salt and sand and those types of things moving forward. So they're again, and in, in the landscape, and uh, you know, if you're a landscape construction company, you are still focused on cleaning up those last few projects um, through September and into October right. prior to that complete switchover. So it's a, it's a tough time. It's a super busy time for landscape construction snow companies because they are in that period of taking equipment that they still are using on site, possibly, and getting it back to the shop, cleaning it up changing oil, greasing, right. doing all the maintenance, and then putting their plows on. So there's a, there is a transition period at, at, 
know, and we're kind of in that right now. And, you know, unfortunately, Mother Nature is going to dictate when that is for us. Dude, when the snow <laughs> when is going to come. Yeah, exactly. When that snow point is. So, so would you say that that balancing act between ending out one season and starting another season is one of the most difficult parts of preparing for the snow season as a contractor who does snow removal? I think that most contractors that have had any um, experience in snow would probably say that right now is, yes, it's a difficult time, but I don't think it's the most difficult time. I think there's things that supersede that and around snow specifically, and again, COVID-19 aside, if we're just looking at a normal year. I, I've said this in previous, the previous episode mm-hmm. as well. And, and this resonates through the whole industry in general. And I think most people agree, regardless if it's summer or winter, labor is still going to be your biggest concern mm-hmm. and more so in winter, because now we have we have snow shovelers and equipment operators and things like that that have to be super health and safety conscious because we're now working in obviously <laughs> different yeah. conditions than we were in the summer. Um, hopefully you can keep a lot of the same staff and the same employees, but the reality is is that in the wintertime, it is, it's going to be a labor that's going to, in my opinion, would be the, would be the, uh, the number one thing that's going to be the hardest to, to overcome, especially this year. You know, given what's happening, there's a there's there's a lot of and and again, we're supposed to have a lot of snow. Yeah, in our, yeah, that's what you know, we've been saying. Right? So, but so, yeah, I mean, I mean, things that come to mind just over the course of the last few years. Obviously, labor to me is always going to be number one. At least it has been in the last five to yeah. ten years. Um, forecasting materials and and getting access to salt has been a has been a problem the last few years because of the salt shortages that we've seen mm-hmm. uh, through the closure of, of some of the big salt mines in in uh, you know, obviously in, in Ontario and, and in Cleveland. So um, salt shortages have begun a problem. So if you're not looking at those things today, if you're having to order from a local supplier who might be bringing that in from Egypt or somewhere like that, it's got to get on a boat and come across the, mm-hmm. the ocean. So it does take some time. So those are big things you have to keep in mind. And you probably should have been, you know, or most companies have been thinking about that um, months ago if they haven't already secured it. So speaking of salt, um, we've written about this a little bit on the Dozer blog before, but you know, Mm -hmm. there's a big uptake in people looking for alternatives to salt. And we've seen it with construction tech as well, how you start seeing these big companies or larger companies that then start kind of jumping on the bandwagon of using alternatives or, you know, taking on new technology. How long do you think it would actually take? And will there ever actually be an alternative to salt? that ends up being a norm in snow removal? We, do, we have lots of alternatives to salt, but what everyone has to remember is that alternatives to salt, just like um, the organic apple that's in the store, there is alternatives. They're just twice the right. cost of salt. So, you know, all of a sudden you spend, a, just for argument's sake, you spend $100,000 um, on, on a, a bulk salt for the season, you might as well triple that. Um, if you were going to be using a, some sort of a ice melter or some sort of an alternative. Um, I think we have to look at two things when we're talking about salt. And I know that we're kind of going off topic here a little bit, but I think what happens is that the, the, the salt shortages come from, and they stem from a fundamental problem that is insurance based mm-hmm. and liability based. Mm-hmm. And it's that contractors are liable for slip and falls at every site that they maintain therefore naturally 
you're going to put down more material than is required just so you don't have any ice to help prevent that slip and fall from, from taking place. So that's, we need to change some insurance um, liabilities. And, uh, and then I think you'll start to see a fundamental shift on still being able to use salt, but using the appropriate amount, which is far less than we're using today. Okay, so let's turn the gears back towards snow removal here. Uh, With your history Mm -hmm. in snow removal and your knowledge of equipment, because I'm always a little bit mind boggled by how much you know about equipment, uh, what do you think the most important considerations are when choosing the correct piece of snow removal equipment for the season? With my background and looking at landscape and snow and and a, a business like that which i think a lot do construction or and snow or landscape and snow they kind of all go hand in hand when you're purchasing a piece of heavy equipment or you're thinking about something i i always like to look at it like okay you know that i mean pick a piece of equipment that four yard wheel loader will work fantastic for me in the winter time but what i like to look at is Let's look at the other seven months mm-hmm. of the season. We want a piece of equipment that's versatile that is going to add benefit to our company. You're making a huge purchase if that's the route you want to go. So let's make sure that's my first thing. And I'll say that to my my staff and my managers who are looking at these mm-hmm. things is how versatile is that piece of equipment and can we utilize it outside the snow season? We know we can use it during snow, but that's a short window. That's a four or five month season here in Ontario. Um, you know, sometimes more in other areas, but sometimes less too, right? Sometimes less if you're Windsor, Detroit, you know, we can, we can get some, some, uh, some less, uh, less snow. So really look at the versatility of that piece of equipment and make sure that if you're buying that, you know, telehandler that you can utilize it in the summertime as a part of your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. Because telehandlers are one of your favorite pieces of snow removal equipment, correct? Mm-hmm. They have been, have they become, yes, they have. <laughs> My thought process has changed over the years and yeah, it is. Okay, so, tell, so why is that? Like what was the shift then that happened in your thought process? It's just, again, it comes back to versatility. We can use that telehandler with numerous attachments on it for, you know, in my business for say, we can... We can take that telehandler now. We can put a snowblade on it, and that snowblade can now clear the whole parking lot. I can drop that blade. I can pick a bucket up, and I can actually stack my snow a lot further back off the parking lot in the snow zones that um, than than I would would be able to do with say mm-hmm. a loader. Or um, obviously, you can't stack anything with a with an ag tractor. Mm-hmm. And then I think about the summertime where we can put forks on it, and now my staff can unload pallets of of interlock brick. They can, you know, they can utilize a lot of things around the shop with that piece of equipment. Um, and I mean, sky's the limit for what kind of attachments you can get mm-hmm. on them. So we can, we definitely are looking at, at a versatile piece of equipment where if you're stuck with just a, you know, if you're a construction company, great, you're probably utilizing that wheel loader year round, which is fantastic. But if you're a landscape construction company, a small firm that, uh, you know, may only do landscape maintenance and the odd construction project, it's really tough to find work for that um, for that large wheel loader that you use to plow the mall that uh, that winter, it's hard to find work for that on in the summertime if that's your if that's the scale of your right. business. So making sure you're picking the right versatile piece of equipment. And again, I go, just going back, Jen, to to the pieces of equipment and what just make sure when you're picking something, whether you're renting it, whether you're buying it, um, 
just make sure you're using the right piece of equipment for the job. Right. Bigger is not always better. You know, a giant cat, you know, 928 wheel loader with a 26 foot blade on it sounds like it's the best piece of equipment mm-hmm. for the job. But, you, you know, you can't put that on a small convenience store parking lot. It'll end up taking you longer, yeah. right? So really be, really be, uh, be, be, and really understand what, what you, what you need for the job and make sure that you're putting the right pieces of equipment on the right, right site. So I don't have the straight answer as to what the best piece is, but just make sure it's versatile and make sure you're utilizing the, that piece of equipment to the best of its ability. No, I think that that's a great point because knowing your own contracts and knowing what it is you have to be doing is the best way to decide what kind of equipment you need. Because like you said, if you're doing, you know, more pedestrian walkway clearing or smaller um, parking lot clearing, then you don't need these giant machines or, you know, you only may be able to use them in small uh, instances. So no, I think that that's an excellent point. So when you talk about longevity and using equipment that's going to last all season, and trying to make sure that you're Mm -hmm. not encountering issues with, you know, either um, gelling diesel fuel or whatever it is that you can encounter in the winter. What is your best piece of advice that you have for contractors to ensure that their equipment lasts all season long in the winter? I think there's a couple of things. It's going to really depend on where you are. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, obviously certain parts of of Canada and the U.S. are are colder than Mm -hmm. others, but uh, regular maintenance daily inspections, you know, these things kind of go without saying, you know, making sure your simple things like making sure your, your diesel fuel is topped up at the end of every shift. I mean, leaving a, we see big swings in temperature um, sometimes through December and January, and especially later on into March where you've got heavy equipment sitting outside and those, uh, those, those tanks, if they, they're left half full between storms, that storm could be three days apart. It could be 10 days, who knows? You get some temperature swings from minus 10 up to plus two or three in March, those tanks are going to get some condensation in them. Then you're going to get water in your fuel. You're going to end up all, all sorts yeah. of problems. So, you know, little things like that. Make sure that you've got, you know, you're, you're changing oils, you're checking hydraulic lines, you're, you're making sure you have fittings, your fluids, washer fluid, hydraulic oil, all these things just, you know, yes, we, we probably all keep that top of mind, but making sure that someone in the organization is responsible for checking those mm-hmm. things and making sure that uh, that they are looked after. It's as simple as making up. We all know with the heavy equipment that we use in the wintertime, we all know the, the normal wear and tear items that go every year. Right. Uh, they can look fine one minute and, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour later, the uh, hydraulic line could blow. So get hydraulic, spend the money, get some hydraulic lines made up with the proper fittings for those units that you know have issues if they are older um, and, and have them in, uh, have them in your, your managers or your field supervisor's truck so that they can switch those out real quick during a storm. So just regular maintenance um, and, and daily inspections. One other thing too, Jen, just before we jump ahead here, I, I, the, one of the best tools that I found that I, we introduced years ago was having a post-storm meeting. You've got, I mean, I had multi-branch locations when I owned my business, but so I, would, I wouldn't be at every location for every storm, but my managers would come together after the storm and we would say, here's the issues. Here's the equipment that's broken. Here's what needs to be fixed. Right. And we'd prioritize, we'd have a post-storm meeting. So bring up those, the successes you've had during those storms, but also bring up the, the problems you had and what equipment needs to be fixed and 
get on it before the yeah, next door. I love that. You know? I think that that's such a great way to streamline communication, especially because when it comes to snow contracts and snow removal, you can have so many different teams taking on different routes and they may never talk to each other. And if, you know, you're using a machine one day and the next day, you know, your buddy's taken on that machine and you haven't had that communication then it can just lead to more problems. So I think that that's a great idea. Yeah. And again, I think too, what we have to remember as well is a lot of these sites, I, I, they're not remote sites by any means, but they, those units, a lot of times, those large ag tractors and wheel loaders and telehandlers, they don't come back to the shop every mm. night. Our staff are going to them. They're dedicated onto a, a parking lot or a route and they're, they're stored somewhere off site, not at mm -hmm. our shop. So if we're not told, if our managers aren't told what happened, if a, there's a hydraulic leak or a battery issue or whatever it is, then, then you know those post store meetings really keep those lines of communication open and allow us to be able to send a field agent or a field tech out there to service that unit um, prior to the next storm because it's wildly important to to the success of because uh, at the end of the day if you go back out there three days later to plow snow again and the unit doesn't work you're in a whole different yeah whole whole different problem yeah. so, you know preventative preventative regular maintenance post store meetings and uh and fixing stuff yeah. when it requires fixing, yeah. you know because limp limping through is okay and sometimes we have to do that but you know don't set yourself up no. for failure because that's that's one of the biggest things is to to make sure you stay on top for of that sure. stuff yeah no i love that i think that that's <laughs> a really great piece of advice for sure so when we last spoke to you, Brent, we talked about the latest trends happening in landscaping. And one of the big pieces that we talked about was electric equipment and how we're starting to see mm -hmm. that more and more in landscaping in particular, um, especially because some of the tools there are more handheld, smaller, uh, smaller machines. But now we're starting to see it more so in larger pieces of equipment, uh, in skid steers and mini X's. And, and even autonomous vehicles as well. This is all coming into construction and into landscaping. How do you see these advancements impacting snow removal? And do you think that there's a place for these pieces of equipment in snow? It, it's already here. Um, for anybody that's been to any of the large uh, trade shows over the course of the last couple of years has seen uh, companies like Northstar Robotics and, and um, you know, left-hand robotics, they, they're both making, you know, left-hand robotics specifically is, is making a sidewalk, completely autonomous sidewalk clearing unit. So it's fully operated on GPS guided technology. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it clears sidewalks and it's unmanned and, and uh, away it goes. Um, North Star is a, a company that has put an autonomous um, GPS guided full gigantic snowplow at the Winnipeg airport and it's been there for a couple of years now um and they've been they've been cleared runways with it obviously in in a test phase but they've been doing that now for the last couple of years um and, and so so it's here um and i don't think it's probably far off um i don't think it's going to complete in, at least in my yeah. time <laughs> it's probably not going to replace uh people and heavy equipment in in the field but it it's definitely here and they're definitely testing it um it it's going to take off. I'm, I'm sure it will. Um, well, and again, if it does, if it does take off, Jen, I mean, the, the, the fantastic thing about it is that it, it certainly helps with labor well, yeah, issues, that's right? Exactly I mean, what I was going to say. Like, if that's one of the biggest pain points, then if you can reduce that stress for contractors or people that run these snow removal businesses to not have to worry about securing, you know, 150 names 
for people that will get up and mm-hmm. shovel snow in a snowstorm is we we've talked about it a little bit in the past Brent but is snow still like a entryway for people that are trying to get into the industry and do you think that the move to autonomous vehicles could make it more difficult for people that are wanting to kind of get their foot in the door in the industry I I think there's always going to be a need for snow shovelers I mean an autonomous uh, sidewalk machine isn't clearing yeah, stairs sure. and you know so it's it's a it's another tool for us to as snow contractors to use and but I don't think we're going to be replacing uh, you know hundreds right, of thousands yeah. of jobs with it not not anytime mm-hmm. soon um, what I have seen more though is over the years is the use of of uh, and you're not going to be doing this in large parking lots just for cost but we have seen a lot of of heated walkways Mm-hmm. Um, heated mats that go under that that are placed down on the walkways for uh, snow melting, and uh, so that's somewhere where you know we're we're going to probably see a big shift soon. Um, and again, it's a cost thing yeah. too, right? But see, that's a technology but, piece that's almost outside of the industry, but it's eventually maybe not in such a large scale, yeah. but it's still going to have an impact. It all yeah. have an impact. I mean, I think it's all going to have an impact, right? I think it's uh, you know. It's far safer to have an unmanned snowplow plowing around large commercial jets yeah. in on an airport and an airfield, right, than it would be to have a bunch of people out there. Mm-hmm. So um, it's 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 coming. It'll when I'm I'm not super mm-hmm. sure. I, you know, it's I don't think any any of our companies are trying to reduce our labor force by um, with autonomous mm-hmm. vehicles, but you know, you got to kind of stick with the times right. and if it works that. You know, we'd have to, we'd certainly have to have to look at uh, at those alternatives sure. for sure. So what are some of the technical technological advancements that have already changed snow removal? Well, I mean, I think we just discussed okay. a couple, right, where we're seeing autonomous vehicles and things like that. But outside of yeah. that, I mean, things that we've like, we've really seen in the last couple of years, um, the, the big one, the first one that comes to mind for me is just the, when it comes to snow plows is, is live edge technology which is basically an existing snowplow that's now been created. And, and Jen, I don't know if you're familiar or not, no. but snowplows have a, <laughs> have, a, have a carbide blade that run across the bottom of the yep. snowplow, and that's what cleans your snow. Typically in the past, it's been one piece of, call it steel, that runs along the asphalt and clears the snow. Well, they've actually um, they've sectioned up the cutting edges now. And they're spring loaded. So basically what happens is the the cutting edges on those plows now automatically contour to the imperfections of the pavement. Oh, that's cool. so it increases Yeah, so it increases your plowing efficiency, it reduces damage, it you know, it does all sorts of things, it decreases the amount it, they clean a lot better. So they decrease the amount of salt. Again, we talked about mm-hmm. that earlier, decreases the amount of salt you need because you're you're scraping the the snow that much better. Um a good example is when you drive around the city after a snowstorm and lots of times you'll see parking lots that basically look like hard packed snow. And that's, that's a result of, you know, plowing the snow and, and creating some hard pack. The ones that are bare usually indicate that they were able to get down to the asphalt better and then put a smaller amount of salt on and they're now they're at a, a blacktop situation. So to me that in the last 10 years, that's been a huge, huge advancement on, on, uh, and, you know, even we here at Dozer see it, we, we feel those calls every mm-hmm. day. You know, is that, is that plow that I'm renting have live edge technology? 
um, because everyone wants it because they do see a value in it. So that's a, that's a big one. And is it out Um, there a lot now on equipment that's being rented? Like in general? Yeah, we, yes. Well, in general, I, I mean, I can't speak for anybody. We, we work with most large rental houses and, and heavy equipment companies. So, and again, we deal with some of the big suppliers of these, of these, uh, of these plows as well. So uh, if our clients want live edge technology on, on their blades, we can, we can absolutely find mm-hmm. it for them. Um, most companies that have used <laughs> this technology will, will, or this type of plow will probably not go back right. to, to, uh, to the old way. And that, there's nothing wrong with the old way. This is just, you know, things advance and things yeah. get better. And this is just one of those things that uh, that has really allowed us to to keep the client happy and and to um, to do a better job at, at clearing That's snow awesome. for sure. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of your favorite things about snow removal, Brent? I mean, <laughs> let's face it; it's not. You know, it's not glamorous. I mean, you're up in the middle of the night and it's cold and wet and snowy and um, it's cold, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a, ter- a certain, you know, a certain type of people to, to, to be involved with it. But if you're in it and you understand it and let's face it, it's it can be lucrative. Mm-hmm. It's a it's one of those things that done properly and effectively it, your mar- it has high margins. You can do very well at it. So for me, <laughs> you know, as a you know a business owner and and snowplow contractors, we it, you know we're, we we don't do it for fun. It's we're we're doing because we make a living yeah. at it, and and we want to make as much money as we can. Um, so the, that would probably be my, you know if there's a favorite thing that would probably be why we we did it for so many years. Um, is is it can be it can be very lucrative you know you can you can really um big snowplow contractors uh can do a lot of can do a lot of work in in a small amount of time with the right equipment and and uh like i said see some see some very high margins Mm -hmm. as a result of it so um i i come back to it all the time i've said this people that have heard me speak in in the past have, have heard me say it we need snowplowing to become an essential service mm-hmm. is it not considered yeah, an essential it, service now no it's not and that's the problem it's essential not. essential in COVID-19 yes essential as in emergency service no yeah Understand? do you, do you <laughs> think that, that will change yeah, like now that we're you know we've seen a lot of changes in the way that people looked at what an essential service is through COVID whether it's with construction or people that work in grocery stores, um, you know, nurses, doctors, you know, all the, what we're now recognizing as essential services. Do you think that this could change this winter season and we'll start seeing more, um, whether it's public appreciation or whatever it is you want to call it for people that do clear snow and the snow removing industry as a whole? It kind of leads me into my next point too, Jen, that we, you know, I, I think that, people are going to realize just how essential it is. Uh, we've been lobbying for years for snowplowing to be deemed as an emergency service, mm-hmm. just like the fire department, just like the ambulance, just like the police. And if you think about it in the middle of a two, you know, whatever, we get two feet of snow, a foot and a half of snow, whatever it is, how does the fire truck get to that fire? Or how does that ambulance get to that senior's home if the roads aren't yeah. clear? They don't. So first responder is the snowplow. 
they they're it. I mean, they're out when everybody else is sleeping. They're out before, you know, making the roads and the parking lot safe so that everybody can get to work, so that everybody can provide those emergency services. And that was always our point is that, well, you know, if you want the hospital run efficiently, you better have the snow cleared. You know, the ambulances better be able to, to access the, the, uh, you know, victims yeah. that if there's a, fortunately a car accident or something Absolutely. like that. So I think that it, people, people will maybe COVID will help that. I'm not sure. Um, it might, it may not. I think more people are probably staying home um, over this course of this winter or businesses have, have decided to work from home. Um, so they may not see it as much, but, but uh, that being said, like, the, the snow, the snow removal contracts are still going to be there this winter because like mm-hmm. property owners are still responsible for getting that snow cleared. Correct. Correct. Right. Yes. Yes. I'd be very, I'd be very surprised if we saw cancellations of snow contracts, um, especially in a retail environment or municipal things like that. They, they, uh, they'd be hard pressed to, to, um, warrant that they'd have to close off large areas of the parking lots and things like that and reduce the the size of the of the uh locations in the parking lots to to be able to do anything but it's it's tough you open yourself up to a huge amount of liability when you do that mm-hmm. for sure yeah have you noticed anything through um you know talking to customers now has there been any changes that have been happening already with the snow removal industry for this year because of COVID or are you not really seeing anything yet? I'm, I'm not, I haven't heard a whole lot. I think the feedback that I've been getting just in, in calls and things like that, that have been on is that if it was a renewal year for a large mm-hmm. contract, so typically in the commercial snow removal um, world, the uh, contracts would, typically run on a one year, a three year, a five year term. So if those terms are up and they're looking to um, either renegotiate or to um, open it up for a bid, um, I, what I'm hearing is that a lot of those, uh, a lot of those, those businesses, those, those um, commercial facilities have opted just to give the current contractor that's in place a a one year extension Mm -hmm. on their, on there so they don't have to go to bid because they didn't have time to do it because everyone was working from home you know that type of thing so that's one thing i've heard um but as it goes you know uh, at the end of the day we still have to clear the roads we still have to clear the parking lots we still have to you know um put that material down so that it's it's not icy it's in people are going to continue it's the new world right i mean that's a new way we're going to be living in for the next little while so um at the end of the day it's uh Looking at my office window now, there's still cars driving up and down the road. I'm sure it's going to be the the exact same come mm-hmm. January. So everything still does need to be to be cleared off and safe for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything that you wish that people knew about the snow removal industry? I again, I think we just talked about it. I think I, I really wish that people would really understand just just how essential it mm-hmm. is. Um, if if the roads aren't clear, if the parking lots aren't clear, then everything's at risk. Mm-hmm. And if you really think about that, um, you know, Jen, you and I've talked about, you know, you've, you've made a conscious effort to ask me a few times to, to come out in the middle of the night and see what happens during a snowstorm. It's, it's pretty amazing um, that, that, you know, these people can, um, can make this happen in a, in a 12 hour period from when the snow stops Mm -hmm. to, you know, you being able to open the front door at your office. 
and uh, yeah. the men and women that do it do a fantastic job. So I think people don't realize they just take it for granted. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, it may not be glamorous and it's cold and wet and tiring. Um, but it's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, essential. And, and it is, it is, uh, like I said, I wish we could get it to be a, to, to the point where it was considered to be an emergency service. <laughs> so is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with before we sign off today? Um, Again, I'm I'm huge on on culture and 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 training and and uh, staff development, and I I think it just comes back. And I think this might have been how I left left off the last the, our last interview when when we were talking about landscaping. Again, it but it does resonate through again again in what we were talking about today, and it's it's labor. You know, create a great culture for for your staff, develop your people. And again, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna take care of your biggest asset, which is, which is your clients. Um, I can't, I can't stress that enough. And I, right. I'm probably beating a dead horse, and and uh, and you know, you're hearing it from me again. But you know, it's it's so hard to 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 do, and it labor is such a big piece of of what we do. It's going to account for, you know, between thirty five and fifty percent of our entire organization, like our entire um dollar amount that that we spend it's our it's our highest cost um don't be afraid to look outside the box mm-hmm. don't be afraid to not hire people with industry experience you know some of my best hires were from customer service facing roles you know whether it's mcdonald's or starbucks or or zares i mean it doesn't really matter um if they're ready and willing to have a good attitude i think that uh you know don't push them aside just because of that, just because of that lack of experience, train them and, and bring them into an organization that's got a good culture and create opportunities for them. But that's, that would be the one thing that once again, that I'm leaving off with everybody. That No, I think that it's great. I think that it's worth continuing to talk about because it's obviously still such a big problem, not only in snow removal or landscaping, but in construction as well. So the more that we can talk about the importance of, of culture and of, you know, looking for the right people outside the box. I think it's all a great message. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Brent. It was great having you on again. Excellent. Um, And we're excited to share these stories of snow with our listeners. Excellent. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for listening to episode 22 of Dirt Stories. If you'd like to read more articles about snow removal in the winter season, check out the Dozer Hub at dozer.com blog. You can also check out episode 11 of Dirt Stories, which is our other episode featuring Brent. Follow us on Instagram at Dozer Hub for the latest news in the industry. You can also follow along with the Dirt Stories series through the hashtag Dirt Stories on social media. Want to be featured on the podcast? Contact us via social media or dozer.com slash blog if you or someone you know has a dirt story to share. Today's episode was sponsored and produced by Dozer, the world's first online equipment rental experience. Visit dozer.com to experience the Dozer difference yourself. I'm Jennifer Cote, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Dirt Stories.